care how many times you watch that, I will never get over Pastor Joseph in a great big blonde wig. I cannot, I mean, can we, he's back there, can we just all imagine the frizz, the blonde, huge mess. Um, We actually have that blonde wig pinned up in our office, and we've added googly eyes to it, and we've named him Ivan. So Ivan lives above Pastor Joseph's desk, and it is my favorite thing in the whole world. Um, I was not planning on saying that, but here we are. Okay, um, back to track. So (laughs) we are in week two of our series, You For Me, Me For You, um, where we're all talking about relationships and singleness, and it has been amazing. Have you guys been loving our You For Me, Me For You series? I have too. Last week, Pastor Aaron delivered an amazing message of what it looks like to be in biblical relationships. And I have the privilege and honor of continuing the series this morning. So since we're talking about relationships, I thought I'd share a little bit about mine. I am married. Um, If you've been here for a little while, you may have seen my husband. He was in that music video. Um, Micah and I met in Bible college, and I think we actually have a picture of us in Sedona, Arizona. Yep, that's us. We were little babes. Um, And we got married last year in July. I think we have a wedding photo as well. Yep, that's us on our wedding day. I think he is real cute. Um, So Micah was actually supposed to preach with me this morning, but unfortunately is sick in bed with a horrible migraine. So um, if you think of it this morning or today, please be praying for him that God would heal him this morning. I don't know about you guys, but I like to keep things very real. I'm all about authenticity, keeping things real. Um, I've had a morning. Any of you guys have one of those mornings? Like I um, opened up my travel mug to pour my coffee and a spider crawled out of my travel mug. Yeah. I um, let my dog outside in our backyard to play while I was getting ready, and I was about to walk out the door and let her inside, and she is caked in dripping mud, like all over herself, all over our floors. We just bought a new white couch. Not sure why we did that, but that was my morning. And if I'm being honest with you, my right pinky toe is real crammed into this heel that I'm wearing here, and it is real at the forefront of my mind. (laughs) But these things happen, right? And they pile up, pile up, pile up. And I found myself wanting to blame all of it on something, on someone. And I found myself starting to blame my morning on my sick husband in bed. Like he was there, like this is TMI, he was throwing up this morning. He is not doing well. And I found myself with a muddy dog saying, Micah. And I had this thought, like how pathetic am I being right now? I'm letting my anger and my frustration get to the point where I'm blaming something so useless on someone so helpless. Like, Lord, help me this morning. Um, But I just thought that was so funny because these things happen all the time. And I started to launch myself into wanting to go into a place of conflict when there was nothing wrong. It was just in me. And I allowed my frustrations to be able to take it out on whatever was around me. And it's a really minor, minor example, but how many of us know that conflict is inevitable in relationships? In marriages, in dating, engaged relationships, in our singleness, speaking with our family, our friends, students, our teachers, our peers. Conflict is inevitable, but 
We serve a God that gives us tools and equips us with how to biblically navigate conflict. Can we get an amen? That's amazing. So before we go into navigating conflict, I wanted to take a moment and talk about why conflict happens in the first place. What is really going on in the middle of conflict? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James 1. I'm sorry, James 4. Starting verse 1, it says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have. But you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Lean in here. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want what will give you pleasure. When we look at what's happening underneath the surface, we have to look inward. Because it's not all about what's happening in that moment. It's not all about the situation that arose or the feelings that we're feeling. We have to look inside where is this conflict coming from. If you're taking notes this morning, my first point is conflict comes from within us. A lot of things are really deep-rooted. You know, what I had talked about this morning of all the little things happening, I think that happens more often than not where we get really worked up about things and just take it out on each other. However, we can also identify the fact that some things are really deeply rooted. Deep-rooted issues that have taken place in our marriages, our friendships, our family relationships. Those things are really real. And when we go to navigate conflict, a few things can happen when we're navigating it in an unhealthy way. How many of us know that we get real defensive when one of our weaknesses is put out there? It's called pride. Our pride gets in the way of us finding resolve in our conflicts because we don't want to have weaknesses. I'm standing on stage here as a recovering perfectionist. Anyone else? I strive for perfection, and it puts me in a lot of harm. And I found myself, especially in early marriage, when we would, when we would have conflict, I would immediately feel like I'm being attacked. Instead of thinking, he loves me, or if this is happening in my family, my mom loves me enough to tell me, hey, baby girl, I see this in you, and we need to work on it. It's not attack. It's love. Something else that happens, resentment. This is a hard one. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> because sometimes we allow things to take plant in our hearts, in our spirits, our minds, and it grows roots and grows bitterness in our spirit. So if there is unresolved conflict, we find ourselves snapping like that. Or we enter into a conversation and immediately we're irritated. Like, where did that come from? You're asking me what I want for dinner, and I want to say a lot of things with my eyeballs. Like, that, where does that come from? It's so ridiculous. But when we don't navigate through conflict healthily, we find ourselves in a place of resentment. This one is quite real. Unsaid, unmet expectations. Unsaid, unmet expectations. With Micah, let's say in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, 
we're just sitting on the couch, and I think to myself, I want Micah to say out of the blue what my favorite color is right now without me even saying anything. And he's just there looking at FIFA stuff. I don't know. And then I immediately get angry at him because he's not telling me my favorite color. Like, that doesn't make sense, right? Because I've not put that expectation out there, so how can I expect him to fulfill something when I'm not voicing things? See, we have to look inward. What is the root and cause of this issue? So after we look at, hey, what's causing this? What is happening inside me? Why am I feeling so worked up right now? We can then look at the transition of navigating conflict. But in order to get there, we have to be able to first look inward and identify what the root of the issue is. So we are talking a lot about romantic relationships, whether that's dating, engaged, married, but this applies for absolutely any season of life. When you're speaking with your family, with your coworkers, the people you go to school with, this happens everywhere, so tune into this. If you are finding yourself in the middle of conflict, the first thing that needs to happen is to get on the same page. And so when you're with your spouse, when you're with your friend talking through this conflict, you need to say to yourself, point two, we are on the same team. We're on the same team. We have to get on the same page if we're going to resolve. And did you know that there is a secret to resolving conflict? I'll tell you, it's not going on a vacation or a getaway with your spouse. And that's, it's amazing. I think those things are really good and can be reviving for marriages. It's not going on more dates or hanging out more, spending more quality time, though those things are amazing and beautiful. No, the secret to resolving conflict is the two of you must have a heart for resolve. If one person is all in, has a heart for resolve, is doing the work, but they're constantly hitting a wall put up by the other person, you will get nowhere. So to zoom out and look, we must first say we are on the same team and then start resolving conflict. You've looked inward. Make sure both hearts are set on resolve because you love each other and you want to live life together. To do this is a lot easier said than done. Let me say that. <laughs> when we have a lot of frustration and anger in these moments, it's really hard to get there, to set those big emotions that arise in us in the middle of conflict, to set them down. And I said I'm being real with you guys this morning, so I'm just going to be very vulnerable in, a, in this moment. This is an area of my life God has had to massively restore. What I did not realize was when conflict would rise up between my husband and I, <laughs> it's, I feel so uncomfortable saying it because I realize how ridiculous it is, but I would use my big emotions, my hurt, my disappointment in him, and I would use it as a weapon to hurt him. I would not want to forgive him because I wanted to make sure he really knew how badly he hurt me. That's real ugly, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> but it's real. And I know there are people in this room that relate to that. It's identifying those issues 
to realize, no, we're on the same team. I'm going to mature through this so I can love my husband well, so I can love my parent well, I can love my son or my daughter well. It's setting those down so that we can then empathize. Once we're on this side with our person, then we can look at it's the two of us against one problem, not me versus you. Conflict is not supposed to be combat. You are to work together as a team. That's how we get to resolve, right? Once we can stretch to understand the other person and empathize with them, we can start taking healthy steps towards restoration in our marriages, our relationships, our friendships. Turn with me to James 1, skip to verse 19. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I'm going to read that one more time. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I just touched on the slow to get angry part, right? Those big emotions rise up. It's about having self-control. And let me tell you, there are times in conversations where you have these big emotions and you feel the human fleshly necessity of letting the other person know exactly how you are feeling. The anger, the rage, the bitterness, the disappointment, the frustration, sometimes even the fear. Can I tell you, sometimes there are deeper rooted issues in us that Holy Spirit needs to clean in us. Holy Spirit needs to heal within us. And if we can learn to say, God, I trust you. I'm realizing imperfections in myself, but I'm committed to loving my spouse, my daughter, my son. So heal this in me. Let's work on this later. Help to give me the self-control to love this person well here in this moment. We must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I know the principle behind it is really great. Let's talk about the practicality of what this looks like in the middle of conflict, especially if this is not a pattern that you're used to working in with your husband, your wife, your whoever in your family. It takes a lot of unlearning to learn. Let me tell you this. You're not going to get anywhere healthy or in a biblical manner if you do not first put Jesus in the center of it. I think we try a lot of things before we go to Jesus. How many of us know that in our society, Jesus is the last result? The last resort? That when we get to the point of fearing for our marriage because it's hanging on by a thread, that is when we fall to our knees and say, Jesus, help me and revive my marriage. What would it look like if we switch that? And the first moment of conflict, we hold the hand of our spouse, our neighbor, our family member, our friend, and we drop to our knees together and say, Jesus, help us. And we invite him in from the very beginning. Then it's no longer a conversation between the you, you and the other person. But you then have the creator of the universe at the center, helping to lead, guide, and direct your conversation. So we have Jesus at the center of our conversation. And then moving forward, hey, what does this look like? How many of us know that interrupting can really cause some damage? When we talk over each other, there is nothing loving about that. And I recognize and realize that can come from a long pattern, from our parents, from our grandparents. But let's draw the line in the sand and choose health in our relationships. 
that we will not formulate our next sentence or our comeback. A dig at the person we're speaking with. Active listening is listening. No more than that. Being able to empathize and understand where the other person is coming from. We set down our big emotions, our formulating thoughts to listen in love. For the people in relationships in the room, I'm going to talk to you for a moment. Something that has really helped us in our own marriage is have a point of physical contact. So when conflict arises, how many of us know it's real easy to throw up walls because we want to defend ourselves? But this is a great opportunity to fight that temptation to separate. Hold hands. Sometimes if you're in the car having these conversations, it's putting a hand on a knee. But keeping that conversation, your body language open to one another because you are on the same team reaching for resolve. Clark University has a great article about active listening, keeping eye contact. Yeah, having those thoughts of wanting to be open. You're on the same team. You're moving forward. And we can talk practicality all we want. But God has given us instruction of what healthy conflict resolution looks like. Matthew 18 gives us a great example of what this is in resolving conflict. If Micah, my husband, irritates me or frustrates me, the Bible tells me that when there is conflict, I am to go to my husband, right where the conflict is happening, and we're going to work it out. And then, if there is no resolve, bring someone in for wisdom. Then if there is no resolve, go to church leaders to help bring wisdom. What the Bible does not say is when Micah irritates me, I'm going to call my mom and gossip about my marriage. What the Bible does not say is when our friends at school irritate us, we're going to go gossip to the other girls. Let's not do it, guys. The Bible is very clear about a biblical, healthy way to navigate through conflict. And while we are saying, hey, keep conflict where the conflict is happening, let me be very clear about one thing. We really want to share our hearts in this. There are some things that happen in relationships that are not good. Things like verbal, physical, emotional abuse. We want you to hear from platform, it's not okay, and it's detrimental and damaging to a marriage, to any kind of relationship. So please reach out to a professionally licensed counselor, someone on our pastoral team, and we'll navigate that through together because it's, it's, it's hurtful. This kind of conflict that I'm talking about is things that happen on a more regular basis, things where there's a temptation to gossip rather than solve the conflict. But I'm so grateful that God has gone before us to give us tools, to give, to give us wisdom and knowledge from each other for us to grow and shape each other in that as well. God gives us so much instruction on this matter because there is something shown so true in God's word. It's that relationships are worth the fight. Love is worth the fight. Marriage is a commitment. It is. Doing life together with our family, 
we are to live together. We live life together. That's one of our declarations here at NCC. Doing community together is how we were designed. So it takes work. Because when we get close with someone, conflict probably arises. I know we can all say that we probably have those friendships that are surface level and conflict just, you know, stays at bay. But when we really want something real, something authentic and genuine, it shows the shadow part of ourself, right? The parts that we don't want other people to see. And then it takes us leaning on God to help us navigate that together. Love is worth the fight. Conflict is good and it's healthy. I know that there are lies from the enemy. There are past generational uh, mindsets that say that when there is fighting, it is bad. It's scary. Run. Let me tell you, that's not the truth. Conflict is okay. And when navigated biblically, it is healthy and it's good. And it's shaping for a marriage, a relationship, a friendship. Conflict brings relationships together. There's a verse in Proverbs you might have heard, Proverbs 27, 17. And it talks about this concept of iron shapes, or iron sharpens iron. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And there is this phrase that's commonly said, and I'm not going to lie, I think it's a little bit cheesy, but it says, when iron sharpens iron, sparks fly. As cheesy as it may be, I think it's so true. When we're doing life together and we are navigating conflict, sparks are going to fly and it's sometimes going to hurt and it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's going to get us out of that comfort zone to be able to navigate things well. When iron sharpens iron, sparks fly, but let's not run at the sight of sparks. Let's lean in because something good is coming of that. Something is being molded that's going to last for a lifetime because love is worth the fight. Again, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, should I say that? Should I not? But I'm going to keep it real this morning. I am hurting from seeing so many churches fall apart from having unhealthy families, unhealthy marriages. I want to see New Community Church with strong families, with strong marriages. Are we committed to having strong families and strong marriages in this house this morning? And not only marriages or families, but the way that we communicate with one another in love. A person you may have conflict with, a person you may not even like all that much for this or that. But when we decide, I love my God and I'm honored to serve him and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to honor him in my relationships, we put the work It's a lot of sacrificing. It's a lot of discomfort. It's a lot of work. But work is not bad. The Bible has so many parallels of how a man loves his wife is how Christ loves his church. The Bible tells us that Men are called to sacrifice and lay down their life like Christ loves the church, lay down his life for his wife, and how a wife is, a, is to submit before her husband. There's mutual sacrifice, mutual work, mutual dedication to one another. 
And Christ has shown us this in the most loving, significant way. He sacrificed everything he had. His life. For love. Because he looked at us and he was able to look inward into us and see the brokenness, see the pain, see the pride, see the resentment. And he said, I love them for it. Because he doesn't run with sparks by. This morning, can I tell you that Jesus is crazy about you? And that Jesus is very much so alive. kind of hurt you've been through in your relationships. If you've been the recipient of abuse, of pain, I do know that we serve a God who loves you. The Bible says he collects our tears in a bottle. He sees every tear that falls from our eyes and he loves He wants to partner with us in relationships. He wants to partner with us and teach us how to love. We don't have to figure this out on our own. Look around the room right now. Look at the different seasons of life. Yeah, go ahead, turn. See the different people in here. We have experience. God has shaped and molded us into the people we are, and we are to link arms with each other and walk and live life together and teach each other to learn because God has given us the tools to be able to learn this together. God is crazy about you. And there is no other love that can be matched. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you think, I don't think I know that kind of love. I felt a lot of the wrong kind of love. I felt a lot of conflict without the resolve. You don't have to be alone this morning. Jesus sees you where you are. And he's here. And he's holding you. He's ready to walk with you. It doesn't mean life gets easier with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're with your spouse, go ahead and hold their hand. If you're here with a son or a daughter, hold their hand. If you're here with your sibling, hold your hand. If you're here with a friend, hold your hand. Yes, even sons and dads hold hands. (laughs) If you're here sitting alone and you're thinking about, my spouse isn't here, but man, I wish they were. Hold your arms open. And if you're sitting here and you're doing a life, loving your neighbors, loving the people in your life, your family, your coworkers, have your hands open. Let's draw the line in the sand today. 
whatever patterns and habits we've held over ourselves, our marriages, our families, let them break today in the name of Jesus. Anything that does not give glory to God, that is not God-honoring, is not biblical in how we love. Let that break today. And accept the love of Jesus. I want to pray today. If you would bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're sitting in this room today and you realize, man, I've not gotten to experience that love of Jesus loving me yesterday, today, now and forever. I don't want to miss this opportunity to give you the space to invite him in, to learn what a genuine kind of love feels like. So before I pray, I'm just going to give us a few moments to reflect. Reflect on his love something missing there. Reflect what's happening on the inside. repeat this after me. We don't want anyone praying alone. If you're watching online later or now at home, we don't want anyone praying this alone. So repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I am here. And I've been hurt before. I've felt pain before. But I'm ready to feel your I know you're chasing after me. And right now and right here, I am yours. I make you the Lord of my life, the Savior of my soul. I love you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Can we put our hands together for someone who might have prayed that the first time? The Bible tells us that all of heaven rejoices even if one person is entered into the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting. I get really excited. That's so amazing. And today, as we're looking at what our relationships look like, let's draw the line in the sand and step forward in health in the way we communicate love. If this is your first time at NCC, or maybe you've been here a while, but you realize I'm not walking in love with the people around me. Not only your spouse or your family, but the people we do life with. Maybe there are people you see on a Sunday morning every single week, but you still don't know their name. We have steps that can plug you in, get you connected, learn more about NCC. This is called Connect Track. We'd love for you to be able to join Connect Track. It's a few weeks class and it's so amazing led by our amazing um, connection pastors Val and Joseph they are incredible you'll learn more about the heart of NCC how God has gifted you in specific ways and what your calling is within church 
So please um, go to newcommunity.co slash connectrack for more information. As we look towards this week, hey, how can we really put this into practice? Um, we have a few action steps for you. So practice active listening in your conversations this week. So what we were saying about um, holding hands in the hard moments, keeping eye contact, learning to listen, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, practicing that. Set an hour aside this week to catch up, whether that's with your spouse or a family member, a friend. Maybe there's someone who comes to mind who you've not talked to in a while. Maybe call them. Set aside an hour to just really catch up and get to know them. Pray and ask God to help you in your weak areas of conflict. Can we be willing to drop our defense this week and learn to embrace the areas of growth to launch us forward into health? under a godly covering, a godly protection in a biblical way. And lastly, I just want to encourage you, hey, if you're in this room and you have wisdom to give, maybe you've been married for a little bit, please look around to other couples that are young in our church. I encourage you, reach out. Maybe grab dinner with them and begin to pour into them. If you're in a season of singleness and you've lived life and you've walked with the Lord, find someone someone younger to pour into be praying who God would you want me to be able to mentor to to pour into and if you are saying hey I need experience my husband and I are newlyweds having someone mentor you through these early days it's so vital because we live life together here at NCC hey so I'm going to pray over us as we close this morning thank you Jesus so much for your church, for teaching us to love like you love God, for being love. We don't take it for granted, God. We're committed to doing this. We're drawing the line in the sand today. Thank you so much for being everything we're not. (laughs) 